I feel, you know, good about the work we're doing. And, you know, it's all about how do we decarbonize industry? Right. Um, how to reduce the carbon emissions? Um, so how do we, can we capture and reuse CO2? Um, can we integrate more renewable energy? So really looking at how industrial processes look today, because everything is, is based on either economy of scale to make it you know, more profitable. Um, a lot of it is based on the use of fossil fuels for heat generation, mm-hmm. which creates CO2 emissions. So how can we look to, what future technologies can we use to reduce those? This is the ORISE Feature Cast, a special edition of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz for conversations with ORISE experts on STEM workforce development, scientific and technical reviews, and the evaluation of radiation exposure and environmental contamination. You'll also hear from ORISE research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science. Welcome to the ORISE Feature Cast. Welcome to another episode of the ORISE FeatureCast. My name is Michael Holtz in the Communications and Marketing Department, and I am your host. I have the privilege today of talking with Christina Wildfire, who participated in the National Energy Technology Laboratory's postdoctoral research program. Um, She was a participant in Morgantown, West Virginia, and we're going to talk about her fellowship and where she is today and all of that kind of stuff. Dr. Christina Wildfire, welcome to the ORISE Feature Cast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about who you are. Sure. Well, um, I'm now, as you said, a researcher uh, with the National Energy Technology Laboratory, uh, but I didn't always start out as a, as a, as a research scientist. Okay. Uh, so I, um, I guess, Starting early, uh, you know, in high school, I always thought I was going to be a medical doctor. Okay. Um, so I, I had this vision, you know, that was my plan. I had scoped out colleges exactly for that. Um, and I realized that I am terribly afraid of blood. So it was a small hitch, right, in my plan. Um, <laughs> Just a little, little a problem. Little, <laughs> a little problem, right? Um, and I was still trying to figure out ways to get around this, you know, maybe just trial by fire, I'll eventually get over the squeamishness, sure. you know, all of that, just trying to pump myself up. Um, so I, I ended up getting accepted to Mercer University in, in Macon, Georgia. And I was going to go for biochemistry, pre-med, and they called me about a month before uh, we started. And they said, we just got money for scholarships for women in engineering. Okay. Uh, if you switch to engineering, we can give you a full scholarship. Wow. So I, I was very hesitant because one, I knew no engineers. I knew nothing about engineering. Right. Um, my dad and I like went to the computer to try to find something about engineering. Okay. <laughs> um, and what does this mean? What does it look like? Right, yeah. right. And now, I mean, now we can Google anything, right? Um, sure. This was 
let me think, uh, 18 years ago or something like oh, that. Gosh. So, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like we just plugged it into our phone and figured right. this out. Uh, you know, so doing the searches for engineering, it was just building things, right? Engines. And um, so I was like, dad, I don't know about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, my dad is actually a jeweler and a watchmaker. Okay. And I always loved watching him put together watches, taking them apart. Uh, I was terrible at actually putting them back together. He would let me try <laughs> on some junk watches, right? I was terrible. I always had a piece missing or a piece left over, right? right? Um, <laughs> so loved how finding out how things work, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but put them back together, together but... maybe not my strong suit, right? Right. <laughs> um, so you know, we talked to the guidance counselor, and they're like, you know what? Uh, you do this for a year. Um, you can do biomedical engineering, and if you don't like it, go back to biochemistry. You still get to keep the scholarship. I was like, okay, fine, won't hurt. <laughs> That's a deal, <laughs> right? Deal. <laughs> So um, I ended up actually loving the engineering classes. Okay. And so that kind of started me down this journey, right, of becoming a scientist. So. Wow. Very unconventional. Very unconventional, <laughs> yes. Right. And it's swap midstream. That's really interesting. So how did you find um, the National Energy Technology Laboratory? in this process? And I guess, how did you, from an education perspective first, how did you get to the point that, you know, you would be working for, um, you know, kind of in the energy sector? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I, you know, going through my undergrad and master's, I did that, uh, there was a five-year program at that university that I did. Um, I did a research master's, which was unconventional for that university. Usually okay. you just did a class only master's um, and you, you know, you could do internships and things like that. Sure. I, I chose a research path for my master's and really loved that. And I had done an internship with an Air Force base that was local and you know, interned over a year there in the mechanical engineering department. That's my degree is in mechanical engineering. Sorry, I okay. uh, didn't quite. <laughs> uh, I launched into my life story instead of my background. Um, That's so, okay. <laughs> so uh, my my degree is in mechanical. I I loved my material science classes, um, and so I was a, a mechanical engineer with a material science background. Um, I knew if I stopped with my master's degree, uh, I wouldn't be doing the work that I really loved. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy the work at that particular Air Force Base that I was doing um, as a mechanical engineer. Um, I wanted to, I, I, I really loved exploring and inventing, and I kind of found that out through, through research. So I applied for grad school. Okay. Um, I came to uh, West Virginia University for my PhD, which is right down the road from the National Energy Technology Laboratory. How convenient. <laughs> Very convenient, right? <laughs> um, and I got introduced uh, through the ORISE program uh, at, during my last year of my PhD. So, yeah, so I, uh, I, I worked for the reaction engineering team. Um, under the ORISE program, developing kind of a scale-up process for a catalyst that they had patented 
Um, so they needed to go from a lab scale to more a pilot scale to, um, it, to commercialize it. So I helped them build a, like a continuous system to make the catalyst. And my PhD was making, um, you know, high temperature ceramic materials. So it was kind of in line with, with what my PhD was in, the materials were similar. Um, and I really loved the research. I loved everything I did with my PhD. Um, you know, even though you're sleeping through the, you know, <laughs> in your <laughs> office and working through the night to finish, right, right. Get, get this dissertation done. Lots of all-nighters. Yes, yeah. yes. But I loved it. I loved the atmosphere. I loved being around other researchers. And uh, I quickly fell in love with, with that type of work. Okay. Um, but I didn't actually start my research journey until five years after graduating. So I, I actually worked in industry. Um, well, I, I worked for a defense contractor in Michigan uh, for a little while, for a year and a half. Um, and then I actually taught in Washington State uh, for okay. two years. Okay. Um, so I've been all over the place <laughs> with, with my career. Right. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, my husband's also an engineer and uh, we were kind of chasing some of his, his career goals. He had some really good opportunities um, in Washington. Um, and so we, that we moved there um, right. and I taught while, um, while he was uh, working as an engineer. And we eventually wanted to move back to the East Coast. Um, so I had my first kid, wanted to move back, get closer to family. And I reached back out to the reaction engineering team <laughs> at NETL. Really? Cool. And uh, they were like, yeah, um, let's pick back up. Let's, uh, there's an O-Rise appointment. We'll do that again. We'll do a, a postdoc. Um, and so I started my career again at NETL under O-Rise. Awesome. So you basically did two ORS appointments. I did. At different times, five years <laughs> apart. Um, and now you are an, an NETL researcher, right? I am, yep. So talk about the work that you're doing today. Is it a continuation of the work that you did under your ORS appointment? No. Um, no, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, when I was working with them um, under my PhD, they, uh, they're, they're a catalysis group. So um, they had a, a patented catalyst that they were working on um, for reforming. And uh, if, if you don't know about um, NETL, it's, it's traditionally a fossil energy laboratory. Um, okay. It's government owned, government operated. So it's a little different than the other labs. Uh, so some of the research staff is actually federal federal staff, okay. um, and then some of the staff is contractor staff. And uh, the reaction engineering team they they develop catalysts, they develop processes around producing chemicals, producing fuels. Um, uh, they do some gasification work. So when I had contacted my previous supervisor about maybe working again. He was like, yes, and now we're doing microwaves. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I said, um, my supervisor's name is Sean. I said, I don't know what you mean, but, you know, send me some articles and, right. and we'll get going. 
Uh, so between then and now, I've been back for six years. Now I'm actually leading the effort, right, for use of non-conventional reactors. Okay. And so my job has morphed over the past six years. Um, so I went from ORISE to becoming a site support contract staff. Um, and now I'm on the federal side. And so I've gone from, you know, being a researcher, being in the lab every day, um, developing these techniques. And now I'm kind of a hybrid. So I am a, a PI, a principal investigator on projects. So I'm doing a lot more of the upper management type things. I report to um, uh, the funding agencies and things like that. But uh, the other part of my job is actually outreach to industrial uh, and commercial partners. Um, so there's quite a bit of outreach for that. So we, we talked to industry, we kind of see where the needs are, where are the gaps today okay. in technologies. Um, and then we see how the lab can interface and work together and try to come up with solutions. That's amazing. It sounds like great work um, and much needed. I mean, you know, you're working on alternative reactors and alternative sources. Um, and I know that is, you know, an important issue, not just for the Department of Energy and, and the various labs, but, you know, for industry as well. So you're mm -hmm. sort of bridging, bridging that world with the work that you need. Yeah, yeah, I, I do love what I am doing now. Um, I feel, you know, good about the work we're doing. And, you know, it's all about how do we decarbonize industry? Right. Um, how to reduce the carbon emissions? Um, so how do we, can we capture and reuse CO2? Um, can we integrate more renewable energy? So really looking at how industrial processes look today because everything is is based on either economy of scale to make it you know more profitable. Um, a lot of it is based on the use of fossil fuels for heat generation, mm -hmm. which creates CO two emissions. So how can we look to what future technologies can we use to reduce those? Um, and the reaction engineering team um, has really been looking a long time at smaller modular reactors. So instead of going really, really big, like some of these chemical processes are, why don't we make them smaller and more distributed? Okay. So now you kind of take away a lot of the transportation aspects, right? Of moving chemicals around. Um, you, you can use more renewable energy sources when you go smaller. Right. And, but then you also have to electrify more things. Um, and that's where the microwaves come in. So it's it's an electrical source of providing a heat to a process instead of using steam or burning uh, fossil fuels to create that process heat. Gotcha. And with a, a smaller reactor too, I imagine it takes up less space. So you mm -hmm. don't have to have the landmass required to have yes. a large scale um, facility mm -hmm. and, and all of that as well. Yes, capital costs go down. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of positives, but you know the processes that we use today are so optimized; they are perfected right. right at that scale, and they just run all the time. Right. And so, trying to it's it is going to be a big shift, right? 
in, in the thinking and strategic planning uh, to, to try to shift to a more modular um, business model. Gotcha. But it sounds like, I mean, the, the interest is clearly there. It mm-hmm. seems like that is definitely the wave of the future. It's just getting all of the pieces together mm-hmm. to make that work. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. Yes, it's very encouraging. Like through the talks with with industry, um, they're all putting these really aggressive goals of of CO two um, reduction in their emissions and making it part of their strategic plan. Um, so we see a lot of outreach um, from companies wanting to work together to you know what what can we do? How can we optimize our processes? What technology is available today? Um, so. You know, it's, it's not just my team. NETL has a lot of fantastic capabilities when it comes to um, looking at a process, optimizing processes, doing the economic evaluation of a process. So helping companies plan um, and, and how do you implement these new technologies that are coming out of the national labs and, and from startups and things like that. So cool. So very cool to be part yeah. of all of that. I know um, I want to go back and talk a little bit about your OS appointments. Mm-hmm. I know that when you're a research program participant, you have a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I expect that now as a principal investigator, you are mentoring others. Mm-hmm. So what's the, um, talk about, I guess, that not only having mentors, and I assume because you wanted to go back, <laughs> you had good mentors, right? Yes, yes. Um, but what's it, you know, sort of what's it like to go from being mentor to being a mentor? Yeah, so, you know, both times through both ORIZE appointments, I had fantastic mentors. Uh, you know, Mark Smith was my PhD mentor, and now he's a coworker. He's okay. still with the group. <laughs> uh, and so now we get to work, you know, side by side and brainstorm, um, you know, as colleagues. And, you know, the second time around, my mentor was my supervisor. Um, and I, I think he's the best supervisor in the world, you know, but that's, you know, I'm biased. Um, but that was part of also wanting to come back for a second ORIS appointment was the, the work atmosphere, you know, at, at the lab. Uh, you you can't ask for better. And, and I did go out and, and try different things, right. Different types of jobs and you realize that um that that supervisor relationship and the the relationship you have with your colleagues is is so critical right when when selecting a career path um so uh, you know we, i working for a defense contractor i i had an a, extremely good salary like for a um a, someone that had just graduated right uh, but we weren't very happy right with the atmosphere um and and with our supervisors and things like that so you know the money does not make up for everything and uh here and with the mentors and with the staff here uh it's it's more like a family you know we we talk we socialize um and so that was very important to me and to also relay that type of um a relationship with any, um, to being a mentor myself. Right. And so I've had, um, I've had a number of interns that have come through. Uh, and then I most recently had 
uh, my own PhD, uh, you know, arise. Um, and so he'll be graduating this year. Excellent. Um, and he's already taken a job in Norway, uh, working in AI, and we still talk, right? So I, right. I like to still maintain, even if they don't stay with a lab, um, I have maintained a relationship with, with a lot of the interns that I've had, um, you know, with some of my first uh, summer interns, uh, I was a reference for her, uh, for, for her job applications and, and, and still chat. So, sure. uh, yeah, I, that it's important to me to not just help them, um, you know, with the current task at hand, right. uh, but let them know that, it, yeah, I want this to be, um, I want to be helpful in their career as a whole. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I assume, uh, you know, again, since you, since you were an ORIS, ORIS participant twice, you would recommend um, <laughs> ORIS fellowship programs or ORIS yeah. research participant programs to others. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it it's such a smooth process uh, to go through um, and, you know, it, it it's a it's, it gives you a lot of opportunities, right? The, uh, working with the labs, I think is, with any of the national labs, uh, is, is an opportunity unlike any other, because you really are looking at science and technologies that, you know, it may not be out the door and commercialized next year, mm -hmm. but you're looking ahead 10, 20 years. And, right. you know, with some of these technologies and just some really cool stuff and, and, just very very smart people um so yeah i i highly suggest you know doing any sort of ORIs or internship uh, especially even as an undergrad uh, if you can do an internship i think it's critical to really understand what a job could entail like with your with your education and how many doors uh engineering and science in general opens up um, you know, I have a mechanical engineering degree, but I, I don't do mechanical engineering now, right? <laughs> right. I have morphed. Um, I did mechanical engineering when I first graduated. Um, and then it was more, when I got back to the lab, it was material science and, and more chemical engineering. I had to kind of relearn um, a lot of skills when I came back. Sure. And so I think what's important is uh, it, it's more of the mindset, not necessarily your degree in, in science and understanding how to critically think and tackle problems and do the research and connecting dots, I think is more important than, you know, I'm, I'm a chemical engineer and that's, that's what I do, or I'm a mechanical engineer and that's what I do. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's more about the, um, your mindset, right? Right, right. Um, Christina, have there been challenges um, and or positives because you're a woman in science? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, working in certain atmospheres and not at the lab, um, I've had no um, negative experiences, I would say, okay. uh, working within the national lab system. Um, everybody is super supportive. Um, I have a number of women working with me on my team, 
Uh, And, you know, and I really appreciate the diversity here, right? Um, Working um, outside of research, there's definitely been, I wouldn't say challenges, but you you do get looked over sometimes. And I I think that's changing, right? That was uh, 10, 12 years ago, right? When I was in, in, in those type of atmospheres. Sure. You don't always get taken as seriously, right? As maybe your male counterparts. Um, and you have to be more vocal, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I can't say that I've had any of that, you know, working as a researcher. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then I guess last question, because I've heard this from um, several other participants, particularly at NETL, but the interdisciplinary nature of the work, mm-hmm. right? So you're a mechanical engineer who's now working in material science, but you work with you know, other types of engineers, other types mm-hmm. of science, scientists. So one of the benefits, not only of the work that you're doing now, but of the ORISE programs are, you know, you get to see science from other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I'm one of the few, right, material scientists slash mechanical engineers on my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others are chemists and chemical engineers. And, and then we have a number of technicians also that, that work and run um, our reactors and, um, and some of the other equipment. And yeah, it's, I, I couldn't do my job without having people in other fields, right? I, I can't know everything. Sure, and so <laughs> when you're, in, especially when you're trying to lead a project um, you have to rely on so many others to, to make it successful. And I'm, you know, my first year or two here, I felt like I was constantly bothering uh, some of my fellow chem- the chemies on my team because I'd be like, can you show me how this equation works again? Because it's been, you know, right. 10 years since I've, I've looked at these types of things or I've never done this because I, I've never done gas chemistry, right? Sure. Uh, so, hey, mechanical engineer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can make the materials. I can do the synthesis. Uh, but when it comes to putting it in the reactor, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so I, I really appreciate having people from different backgrounds and not just the educational side. Right. But we all went from came from different institutions. Sure. Um, you know, some from different countries. So the perspectives, um, even between the chemical engineers, can be very different just from educational background and and um, country of origin. And so the discussions are really good. You know, we try to have, um, you know, I personally have weekly meetings, right, with with my teams for projects, and sometimes we just sit and brainstorm. And then our larger group. Um, we try to have either bi-weekly or once a month meetings where we just kind of go around the room and say, what's going on with your project? And, you know, what kind of problems are you having? And, you know, I might not be involved in that project, but I may have seen something similar, right? And so we're all there to help each other out. And, and that's really the mentality of a lab as a whole, not just within our group. But, um, you know, if I'm having issues with the reactor planning, 
we have a, an, another group, right, within um, the research institute mm -hmm. that that's their specialty. So I can just walk into their office and say, hey, I'm, you know, you're the expert in this. <laughs> Here's my problem, right. you know, and we can just talk it out. And and that's that's the luxury, right, of having um, these labs. And I've even reached out from NETL to NREL or um, INL or Oak Ridge. Um, so, you know, the national lab networks themselves, right, were eager to, to talk to each other um, and, and help each other out too. So that's, that's really nice to have. Cool. So it sounds like you're in an ecosystem within an ecosystem. Mm -hmm within an ecosystem of, <laughs> right. of like science of you know yeah. diversity of thought and perspective and you mm -hmm. know all of that so that sounds like um a great place to work it, <laughs> it, it is, is it's never boring right <laughs> i bet i bet christina is there anything that you want to make sure that we've covered that i've not asked you about i don't think so i think i've um told you, told you my life story right so. that's right that's right <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for your time christina i really appreciate it thank you yeah. for being part of the arise future cast i appreciate yeah. it thanks for the opportunity thank you so much have a great day you too bye bye thank you for listening to the arise future cast to learn more about the oak ridge institute for science and education visit orise.oreu.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ORISE Connect. The Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education is managed by ORAU for the U.S. Department of Energy.